Hello and welcome to That's Football, a podcast about the great game that is football. I'm Paddy and I'm joined uh, with the co-hosts Ben Hooker and Ethan McLaughlin. Uh, we are three we are three students uh, from from down under and we're hoping to uh, create a podcast in order to share our opinions uh, on the game, uh, some controversial opinions at that, but also to learn some new skills uh, regarding our creation of content and hoping that our listeners uh, will enjoy uh, some of the discussions that we have. Yeah, I don't know about you boys, but like something like this has always been like kind of a bit of like a dream for me. Like I love, I, I always watch like, you know, on Sky Sports and they always have these punditry and stuff. And I was always being like, that'd be such a sick job. So I feel like the kind of the idea just to be able to do it as kind of like a school project is so, it's so great, I reckon. Well, a bit of a football podcast. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know, like, not podcasts in particular, but just being able to talk about the game but also it being productive at the same time rather than just talking with mates, you know what I mean? Big weekend of football. Um, Champions League final, England squads and all the Euro squads coming out. And we've also got the championship game, Swansea versus Brentford. I think this only suited we really talk about the English squad. I mean, what yeah, a so. bunch of players England have. Yeah, it's obviously a very difficult job uh, for Southgate. He's copped a lot of criticism uh, in the past for a lot of his decisions uh, both on and off the field and obviously this 33-man squad is sort of a way of dampening the fact that he hasn't selected a uh, certain few players definitely some pr- surprise names in there couple of injuries um, which may have stopped the likes of Nick Pope uh, breaking through uh, for Euros which is obviously a massive loss uh, but yeah we're going to be discussing a lot about a lot about that squad and who, who we think should be cut from that from that 33-man squad down to the 26, which is a really small number if you think about the the massive population of of ballers out there in in the England. Yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting because it originally was going to be 23. So kind of the idea that they've actually given us 26, it, it makes it a lot easier for us. Um, but yeah, it's such a shame someone like Pope because I reckon for me at least he'd be definitely fighting for that first first team spot. I mean, like Pickford, Pickford's up there. I mean, Pickford's been fairly average, you could say, over the past two years. Yeah. Um, but Pope has shown that. I mean, he's, he's what's it, six eight frame? I think he's huge. But I'm just gonna say, I'd love to see him back out in the in the Burnley shirt. He's saved them, especially in that uh, 2019 2020 season. He he was the man who was stopping stopping the goals along with Tarkowski and. Likes of Ben Me at the back, but he was he was a, a defining figure in their success that year, and you felt that his lack of form and obviously the injury has sort of kept Burnley from from pushing through the ranks this year. So it's a shame to uh, to have him not being able to re- represent uh, his country. Going back to the English England squad, I mean, if you look at the England squad, there's some huge standouts of who you wouldn't initially put in the team. For me. There's been a lot of bias towards the Premier League and they're picking players who um, who they believe are better than others in other leagues purely because they're in the Premier League. For example, Ben White. Now, yes, brilliant players. But actually, the reason, one of the reasons why Brighton are still in the Premier League. He's had a few good two years, but put, putting him over Tamori is very questionable. I don't know what you boys think about that. 
Yeah, that's one of my biggest points in this. Uh, I can't believe that's actually happened. Look, people could say it's about race, and we're obviously not going to go into that because we're not very uh, political here or, you know, whatever it is. But, um, look, if I'm Southgate, there's no reason not to pick tomorrow. There's absolutely no reason, and I feel like that's a disgrace, honestly. And through this, we can actually see a fair bit about um, about Southgate's decision whether he starts Sancho, obviously for me, he's he's definitely the right wing choice. Um, he's the only like right footed, uh, only the only right uh, wing player who's directly uh, on that right wing. Obviously, Sterling's better from the left. I'd say Rashford is too. Greenwood's very young player, um, who I believe will be named in the squad. But it's going to be interesting to see how he favours the Premier League, Premier League players. Obviously, there's very little. Uh, players who are from abroad and the likes of Tamori have obviously missed out, um, missed out. It's, it's simply unfair. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's to do with race, but I'd say it's definitely a poor decision um, in that squad. Other players, well, I, what, what, what I think is best we do actually is probably um, we'll go through who's missing and then we'll go through, okay, who's our starting goalkeeper? Who's like playing, like who we, sh- who we think could be in the twenty six. So we'll start who's missing from the 33, and then what we do, we'll go through defenders, attackers, and midfielders, probably probably defender, midfielder, attacker, in that order, and we'll discuss who we think should be in the 26. So, missing. I mean, not necessarily missing. You've got Eric Dyer. He definitely shouldn't be in it, but it's someone who Gareth Southgate's kind of loved for a while and always tend to sneak him in the squad, which I think is fantastic that he hasn't created this sort of... I don't know, love for a player and hasn't is not too personally attached to him. I think that can be an issue sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know about you boys. I definitely think like if you get too attached to a player that isn't actually performing. I think Mourinho got attached to Die as well. I don't know what it is. I don't know. If, I don't know what it is. Well, I don't know what it is about Die to be honest that makes him so attractive to these managers because he gets so much playtime, but he's awful. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like. You, like you got to think about it, right? Like if Dyer Dyer wants to be in there, what what is he playing? Centre back or is it CDM? Oh, he's centre back now. He's he's lost too, he's lost too much pace to be CDM. Yeah, well, if you're looking at him at a centre back, like who would you who would you switch him for in that situation? If you're like Southgate, yeah, I mean, like, but the, the centre backs is not a strong point for England. Obviously, we've got a few young players coming through with Ben Godfrey, which we'll talk about later, and we've also got obviously Tomori. Um, and Konza. Um, but there's no way Eric Dyer gets in before Konza, gets in before Godfrey. It's, it's, yeah, it's not even the matter of who would you replace with him. It's just like he's just, just not good enough. Yeah, I think obviously Konza is an absolute miss. Uh, he was obviously one of the, the favourites sort of going into the start of the Premier League season, not um, going into it, but after a few game weeks, you could really see the. Oh, just the caress he had on that ball in some of those games, the way he could shut down attackers, the way he could score some goals as well. It's just what England have sort of been missing in that centre-back position. And I think it is uh, completely crazy not to include him. But obviously, there is uh, so little positions for so many uh, good players. But yeah, Konsa was another one who should have been in for me. Unfortunately, I don't think that... um. That, that White should have should have been in that squad. Um, but obviously that's that's up to Southgate. We need to understand that he's got uh, different priorities to the 
to the general viewers. Yeah, and and speaking of you know flair from Konza and all that, um, let, let's talk about that right back position for a bit. What have we got? The likes of Trent Walker, Trippier. I mean, what Reese James as well. They're abs- they're absolutely stacked in that position. Like, what do you boys think about that? I mean, it's probably the be- the, the best. I mean, the best right back position, like depth of right back positions in the world. Like. And not even just those four names. You've got Lamptey, Matty Cash. Um, I can't think of more on the top of my head. I've got it. There's definitely more, and I'm definitely missing out on some. Um, Wembasaka. So, uh, oh, yeah, oh don't even get me started on Wembasaka. Holy. Yeah, well, yeah, Wembasaka. Yeah. So it's mental to think that we've got what's it, six or seven names that would probably be good enough to at least be a second option in the England lineup. Um, so. Yeah, so for me, just purely because of how good he is technically, and also he's going to be a part of the England squad for years to come, whether you like his form at the moment, it's Trent. He's got to go. Um, it's just, if he doesn't, it's so stupid. We've got, we're already going to take three right-backs, and you're not going to take the best right-back in the world. It's mental. I don't know what you boys think about that. Yes, I think there's a massive thing in football at the moment and looking at current form and saying, you know what, you don't deserve it. If we were looking at that, we'd say, we'd say Rashford, you're not going. Uh, we'd say some of those players who just haven't been able to, to score goals. Harry Kane, the best striker in the world, uh, uh, from what Ben thinks, has had droughts in his past, but never would Southgate say, uh, you know what, you're not coming for that. And just because Arnold's had a had a bit of a stinker of a season, obviously he's finished it off all right, but... um. I just don't think you can look past his form in the last in the last three or three or four years. It's just it'd just be crazy uh, not to include him in a squad. Um, so obviously, I don't think there should be dilemma there. I, I know the public will have a lot against uh, any of those right backs going in. Obviously, Trippy is another one about uh, the abroad players and whether Southgate will back him. Obviously, in the past, Trippy has been backed. Of course, in Russia, had an absolute. Um, Absolutely banging of a tournament over there. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But Arnold, if he doesn't go, oh, there's going to be death threat. Yeah, so again, that Trippier conversation. Like obviously, he's just won the won the, the Liga title in um in Spain. So there's really no reason why he shouldn't get picked. I Personally, I know Reese James is good and all. Um, but he's, bit, he's like, Trippier has that experience. He's been to tournaments before. He's been to Russia. He'd be more close with all, like, I think people underestimate how important being of like someone who's good in the change, like good in the good in the dressing room. Like someone like Trippier, um, who's is friends with everyone there, is not new to the squad. I feel would be a lot more beneficial than Reese James, who honestly might not even get to play many games. If he does go, he might not be able to play. He might he might get only a few minutes. So is he actually worth that much in the dressing room rather than Trippier? That's a smart point, and also obviously Trippier has got his um exceptional free kicks. Great, great from a um great from a set piece. I mean, it's hard to look past him personally. I, I personally I take him over Reese James, but I know that's controversial. And we're talking about seven games. You need X factor players. That's why I believe um like Greenwood has, has gone along. Obviously, that man. If you bring him on, there's been plenty of discussions about this. You can bring him on in the seventy fifth. And if he doesn't uh, have some sort of impact, that'd be disappointing. And you cannot say that about some of the other 
the other uh, forwards in that team. And I think it's the, the same for Trippier and the re-game conversation. Trippier can give you that magic and he's obviously performed at the highest, uh, one of the highest levels. And he's done that on a consistent basis. And with that small tournament, if there's a little mess up, which I know uh, James is capable of, um, that, that could easily cost a team. So Trippier is the choice for me. And obviously uh, James, um, unfortunately, to get dropped, yeah, well, I just want to touch a bit more on that right back position. Like when you when you're in Southgate's shoes, you know you're looking at the options you've had. You've got Trippier, who's just won the league in the Liga. You've got Walker, who's just won the league in the Premier League, which is probably one of the hardest things to do. And then you've got Trent, who's been one of the one of the best right backs over the past couple of years. Like I think that's undoubtedly got to be one of his hardest decisions he's had to make. And Reese James, who's been one of the best young youngsters in the prem, especially in that right back position. Like, I don't know if he could try and fit them all in, you know, maybe put some at centre back to a, to a ultimate team strat, but it's, it's such a hard decision for him to make. What are you saying? If we play, there's, there's two definite formations we'll play. It would be a classic four at the back or three at the back. And the issue with bringing, not bringing Trent and not bringing Walker which I undoubtedly think Walker will go. But Walker can play as that set, um, that right-hand centre-back if we play three at the back. But also, and we can get Alexander-Arnold playing at the same time, probably the two best right-backs in the in the Premier League at the moment. So we can get them both on the pitch at the same time by playing that three-back and the, the two wing-backs. And pretty much Arnold will be playing, what's it, pretty, pretty much playing right mid, to be honest. And you think about it, you've got Kane. You've got Kane in the box. He's such an aerial threat. Um, it just works. It would just work so well, to be honest. I don't... It, even if... Like, what, what we tend to worry about with Trent is his, like, defensive ability. And if you give him the license to go forward with pretty much Walker playing that between right right back and right centre back, you, there's no... Yeah, there's really, there's really no need for Trent to come back and defend. And he, he, he doesn't have to worry about it, which will give him so much freedom up front. And, you know, those crosses going into Kane are going to be lethal. And it'll be difficult for any team to stop. But the thing is, in that situation, is you've got to think about when the game's on the line, you know. Like, let's say England's 1-0 down, right? And, you, like, you need that defence. The, the opponents are pushing. You need that solid defence. And Trent will just not be there. He's just not going to... Will he be that... Will he have that ability to be there and, and get those stops like like Wambasaka could do, like Carl Walker could do? And it's just a matter of like, will he be able to fundamentally be there at the back when it's really needed, you know, instead of just always being that attacking option that can do crosses and all that kind of stuff? Lads, we could talk about this right back situation for days. Uh, I think it's obviously a discussion that needs to be had. And I think Trent, I think we've understood that Trent is definitely going a matter of whether he starts and what position he's sort of in um it will be debated but let's have a look at some of the some of the other positions well yeah so personally for me despite the memes and the, how social media get behind them all the time Maguire is our best defender um I mean, it's not a very fantastic i don't know, think achievement or anything but he's our best defender and you've got john stones next to him and i do think I don't trust John Stones as much as I probably should. Um, I do think he's helped like so much by 
Diaz. I don't think he, he I don't think he's as good as everyone thinks he is. Um, I think Diaz is incredible, and Diaz is the reason why John Stones has been so good. I do think that is not. I don't think that is a reason not to take him or not to start him. I do think he starts over whoever whoever you play, um, Cody Mings or Ben White. But yeah, there's John Stones and Maguire are the two starting centre backs. It's the people you go behind them, and for me, I don't know about you guys. He's not named in the 33-man squad. But Konza has been absolutely robbed. He's been miles better than Tyrone Mings this season, and he's not in the squad. And I know, I know what they always say. Tyrone Mings has experienced this, that, and the other. We've got enough experience in that squad. If we don't take, I'd much rather not take someone like Calvin Phillips and bring Jordan Henderson for that experience rather than drop, rather than drop, yeah, and be able to bring Tyrone Mings and drop someone like Calvin Phillips and bring Jordan Henderson to give that experience or someone like Lingard. I know he, everyone thinks he's so young, but he's got so much experience in these tournaments. Same like Pickford. So I don't think experience is an issue. I don't think, I don't think experience is that much of an issue, especially with Maguire. Maguire's been there before. People talk about experience or being Tyrone Mings for experience. It's a lot of bollocks. I don't, I don't see the point. Yeah. And if you look at the boys like, you know, Ben Godfrey and who else, maybe Ben White, those kind of guys, if you're thinking about it, look, Cons has been way better than them, if, in my opinion. I feel like he has, at least. Maybe, Ty, maybe like I'm pushing it, maybe Tyron Mings is the one below him, but the fact that he's not in there is, is truly shocking. Yeah, so for me as a Wolves fan, I acknowledge Cody's a good defender, but he just hasn't been up to it this year. The, the, the sole fact is that Wolves were... Obviously, losing Jimenez is a massive blow, but the defence has just been so much more poor this year, and that's why we finished further down. And I don't think Cody is going to be in that 26. For me, I think Ben Godfrey goes, um, but I, I don't think Cody or, or Ben White's a, a suitable fit. Something that we have got down pretty good is our midfield. You know, we've got the likes of, what, Jordan Henderson, one of the most experienced players besides, you know, people like Kane you could have in the squad. And he's... Obviously, that backbone for England, but you've also got people like Mason Mount, who's been absolutely amazing lately. You got Ward Prowse in there, Declan Rice. Like, what do you boys think about those selections? It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird position centre midfield because so many of them can play on the wing. So many of them are te- number tens, and I, ju- I just worry will clash. And um, so you got Jack Grealish can play left wing. You've got Foden can play left wing and right wing to that, for that matter. You've got Mason Mount, who can, well, he, he probably can put him on the wing. So we've got so much versatility. Also, you've got Jesse Lingard. These guys are all out and out number 10s, and they can't really sit back. So the issue here I have with our centre mids is are we going to have that balance? Yes, we have Jordan Henderson. Yes, we have Calvin Phillips. Yes, we have Declan Rice. So that is, that is so, such a strong, such a strong midfield. I'm just trying to work out how we're going to fit, especially in the starting 11. How are we going to fit, you know, Grealish in, Foden in? How are we going to fit Mountain? If Mount doesn't start, I don't know how, what we do. I, it's so, it's it's. I really baffled. I actually can't think of a starting midfield for England because you have to have Declan Rice in there. Whether you have Calvin Phillips as a bench option or you already have Calvin Phillips sitting next to him in the pocket, or I don't know. It's just it's just so complicated. I can't think to be honest. Yeah. So for me, um, Calvin Phillips doesn't go. You've got Deccan Rice, um, Declan Rice, not Deccan. Um, and then you've got Jordan Henderson as the, 
defensive mid options. I don't think Calvin uh, Phillips needs to be there. Ultimately, we need to ultimately we need to talk about dropping people um, from this team, and we've only done uh, like two or three so far. So we have to consider getting rid of one of these these midfielders from the 33. Calvin Phillips potential for the future, I think. Uh, maybe the next international tournament for England, he'll he'll definitely be in there. But Jordan Henderson, as a leader, and as we were talking about in those change rooms, he's going to be so influential. Um, but then, yeah, also Declan Rice, absolute baller. He's the starting DM for me, um, or that or that defensive-minded uh, midfielder. But yeah, Phillips doesn't go. Um, I think Ward Prowse off the bench. Um, I don't think Woodpress is going to start, but I think he's a great option. Those set pieces, um, lethal, but you do have other set piece uh, minded players in that squad. So potentially his role at Southampton um, and obviously has helped that team so much, but it might not uh, be as influential on this international stage when there's so many other uh, class. But like, I think if we're, if we're talking about dropping people, right? Um, you know, if Calvin Phillips getting dropped, look, we may need a backup defensive mid, you know, if Declan Rice or Jordan Henderson isn't in their form. But for me, and I might get a bit of stick for this because I know he's been really good recently and he's he's young, but Jude Bellingham, in my opinion, I don't think he should be in the squad. I don't think he should be in the 26. I feel like he's too young. Before we move on, wait, I'm just a bit confused why, what we, what we would I think both of you have made really controversial points there. Not taking Calvin Phillips. Now, I, I agree. I don't think he should start. But if some, if the worst comes to worse, um, Jordan Henderson gets injured or Declan Rice gets injured, we don't have another pivot. If we want to play a 4-2-3-1, um, a we don't have another player to play in that holding role. And... It just it just it just doesn't make sense. Obviously, you could probably put Jude Bellingham in there, but then now Athens point where he or Bellingham doesn't go, we have no centre mids. This is what I was going to say before, like how we got so many number tens, but we don't quite have that. I don't know. We don't we don't have enough that balanced centre mid. And I do think Jade, James Ward Prowse is one of those balanced centre mids, but I don't think he's good enough. I know he's brilliant at set pieces, but. Does does he offer more than other players? If you take his set pieces away, he's he's not he's a great player, but he's just not better than anyone else there. Personally, I don't I don't get I don't get not taking Calvin Phillips because injuries happen. Um, Jesse Lingard can't really play centre mid. Mason Mount probably can. He might be able to put him in the pivot, but then it's a waste of attacking options. I don't know. That's why I'm stumped personally. So. Back on to, like, with that Bellingham point, look, I agree with that Calvin Phillips should definitely be in there as that backup um, CDM or, you know, defensive role. But the thing I'm stumped with is if if we do get rid of Jude Bellingham, if we need to, the thing is who do we replace him with? And that's why I'm a bit confused because I'm, I'm not sure who we replace him with because even though I'm not sure, I still think he should, you know, go, in my opinion. Look, let's go to the forwards and then we can start talking about numbers because obviously it is a seven-player cut and we can't keep them in. So we'll we'll go to the forwards, have a chat about them, and then we'll have a look at uh, the, our, our final squads. So I think a massive talking point is Bukayo Saka. Now, we know he can play absolutely anywhere on that pitch. For me, Saka doesn't go. I just, 
I, he's not better than anyone in their single position. So he's obviously brilliant if we want if some people get injured. But personally, Ed, I don't think Greenwood goes either. I know we want to get experience into the team, but I don't think any of the young players go, apart from Phil Foden, obviously. Um, because, I don't know, I just think Saka, at the moment, Saka's better than Greenwood. Greenwood, I reckon Greenwood's got a higher ceiling. I reckon he could be a lot... He could become a better player than Saka. I do think he's got more potential. But Saka, I reckon he is not better... So, for example, the right wing. He's not better than Jane Sancho. He... At, on, currently on form, he's probably better than Sterling. But, I mean... Sterling's got experience. I know, I know I've previously said experience is overrated, but Sterling's done it for, what's it, five years now, where he's been at the top. He's, he's been, he's actually, he's, he has been a world-class player. So the fact that Bakayo Saka hasn't been a world-class player yet, I just don't know. Saka and Greenwood don't go, personally. Yeah, about that. Like, Look, we've, we've got to think about, real quickly, talking about forwards, we've got to think about positions, right? Because we've got Jane Sancho on that right side, but if we're talking about true positions, Saka played most of the season right side, right? Like right wing, right yeah. right midfield. And I feel like he, I think he should go, Saka should go over Greenwood. I feel like especially this season, Saka's just carried Arsenal to any place in the top 10. But um, I feel like Saka should be in there just as that backup for a right midfield, you know, because we've got the likes of Raheem Sterling, well, Marcus Rashford, if they need in that left side, but we do need people in the backup on that right side just in case something happens to Sancho, or you know he's not in form or anything like that. I agree. I I, I, I agree. He goes Saka. I mean, I, I I know I just said I, I don't I don't think he goes, but twenty six players is a lot of people, and I don't think Saka is the first person I'd cut off. I reckon he'd cut off Ollie Watkins. Um, I reckon who else is in there? I reckon you'd cut off. You got you cut off Ollie Watkins. You've cut off Greenwood. Do we have space to fit in Saka? Maybe. I mean, yeah. Personally, he doesn't get anywhere near the starting lineup. He might actually. He might just go and not play at all, which would be unfortunate. But the reason why we take him is purely because we, he's going to be a future star for us, and he needs to get experience. But for me, I can't say the same about Greenwood. He's probably the, the most natural finisher behind Kane in the squad but that doesn't, that doesn't mean he deserves to go I think because we've got I reckon he, he plays best striker Greenwood he plays miles better striker um, but he's not better than Calvert-Lewin Calvert-Lewin goes Kane goes obviously and Greenwood personally I, we don't need three, three strikers but I, there's no point especially when you've got Rashford who can play down down the middle You've also got Sterling who can play that false nine. And you also got Phil Foden who could actually play that false nine as well. There is no reason at all we need to bring a second striker in Mason Greenwood. Okay, so let's go to the, uh, the players you're cutting. Um, so, Ben, who are the seven that you're thinking don't deserve to be in that in that 26? Okay, so obviously we've got to take... We've got to cut a goalkeeper. We're not taking four goalkeepers. So we, take, we get rid of Aaron Ransdale. I think Sam Johnson, actually he's been very good. I think it's he's just not been playing for a good enough team to be considered. I know we talk about Pope. I don't know. He he. I don't think he's better than anyone there. He's not better than Dean Henderson or John Pickford. So he goes. Sam Johnson goes as the third option keeper. So that's my first person I cut off. The second person I cut off is Connor Cody. 
he does offer that. Um, he he's very versatile in the sense that he's played free back for for Wolves for years. So he does have that kind of option if um, England want to play the three back. However, I do think um, I do think we've got definitely better centre back options. And his form this season, or form Wolves in general, have been atrocious. So I actually don't think he deserves to be, let alone in the thirty three squad. I reckon Collins should be over him. Anyways, so Cody's getting cut. Johnson's getting cut. Um, for me, I think Mings goes. Purely because I don't think Ming should be in the 33. No, I do think Ben White should be in the 33. But because he is in the 33, and he's, and Southgate's going to pick from the 33, um, and I can't pick Konza. If I could, I would. But we can't. So Ben White gets cut. So Ming's goes. Ben Godfrey goes. Reese James gets cut as well. So is that my? F I've got four there. I've got Ben White, Sam Johnson. Oh, no, Sam. Ben White, Anne Ramsdale, Connor Cody, and Reese James, the forward not going. Now we go into the midfields, the midfield. Now this is where it gets tough. This is what I'm stumped over. I purely, I don't think, I want to bring Lingard purely because he's such, like, I don't think, he, he might not get any game time at all. I don't think he deserves game, I, I generally think he's good enough to get game time, but there's so many other players ahead of him and slightly younger who are just as good and you'd rather play them for experience. So my fifth option to get cut is James Ward-Prowse. And then it's Ollie Watkins and Mason Greenwood. So that, there it is. Those are my seven. All right, that's, a, that's an interesting seven. I'll just run you straight straight through my one. So I've got Ramsdale cut. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, Cody and White. I don't think either of them go either. I don't think... Uh, Reese James should go either. I think Trippier is a better option for that third tier uh, right back. I think Calvin Phillips and James Ward-Prowse don't go. I just think that midfield is too stacked and there's too many players you can play in there that have that versatility and that X factor that those two just don't provide. And then I'm going to cut uh, Calvert-Lewin at striker. His Kane has already got that physical uh, sense up top and he just misses way too many chances uh, to be in a tournament where they don't get many chances, only seven games. So Wait, there's so you're the seven. Lewin over Green you're taking Greenwood over Calvert-Lewin? I am taking Greenwood over Calvert-Lewin any day. Whoa. That's, that is, whoa. That was, what's it, like, Calvert-Lewin's got 16 goals in the Premier League and he's got, he's got a similar profile to Kane. I just don't think yeah. he supplies enough uh, differences to Kane and if you're going to say fill Kane's spot you cannot do that there is zero way that any striker in the world can fill that and spot on that team so I think you're better off taking a taking a player who's got more x factor who's who's able to create something from nothing and unfortunately Calvert-Lewin can't I mean I don't I I see where you're coming from but I think in a tournament where we're trying to be where we generally England generally have a chance to get to a final. I'm not think they're going to win it because France is such a big threat, Portugal is such a big threat. But this, we don't want to waste this tournament. Obviously, a lot of the players we're bringing are very young, so this tournament's got to be a mix because we actually got to give it a good go. Because these these players might not be as good. We we won't have Harry Kane as good as he is now in the next. We might get him in the World Cup, but we won't get him in the next Euro. So if we want to win this tournament, we've got to make use of what we got now. And I gen. There's no way 
you can tell me that Greenwood is better than Calvert-Lewin this season. So Calvert-Lewin goes. Calvert-Lewin's young as well. He's not la- giving us a lack of um, lack of. He's not. He's not limiting our progress as a as a as a nation. I just personally see. I can't see how you don't take Calvert-Lewin. And what I mean by it's a similar profile. If Kane gets injured, as he lo- does a lot, you don't have to change the system too much. And Calvert-Lewin's got a bit, bit quicker than Kane, so maybe you, what you lose in finishing, you gain in pace. I don't know. I, I want to yeah. get a point on that, Ethan. Yeah, okay. So before I went into my seven, I just wanted to touch on the fact that let's look at like uh, let's look at Man City for a second, right? One of the main reasons they won that league was because of their depth. You know? And I know this isn't a season-long competition, obviously, but I feel like it is really important that we do have depth in the squad. And I feel like Calvert-Lewin getting dropped is taking away that depth of a second striker. Because I feel like if you keep Greenwood in there, look, he can sometimes be pretty in- inconsistent. And I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin has just shown that he can consistently score goals, especially in this season. And I feel like if we really want to win the Euros this year, you've got to take Calvert-Lewin, in my opinion. Okay, so who's who's going to be your, your seven that you can make? Look, it's it's pretty similar to you boys, but I'm, I'll just read it out. So I've got Ramsdale in the back getting cut, obviously. Anyway, um, then we got Ben White in there getting kicked out. Um, then Bellingham, for me, is getting kicked out. Yeah, I just feel like he's just a bit too young. A couple more years in him, I think he'll be back in. Um then Ward Prowse, I feel like him, although he might be kind of a bit balanced, take away those free kicks and those set pieces. I feel like, you know, he doesn't do much compared to other players in the team. Um, then we got Greenwood getting cut. Again, I feel like he's just not as consistent as a as a Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And then final person is, yeah, Watkins. And I, th- I think our next point should be to talk about Watkins and Bamford, definitely. I, I, I don't see how Ollie Watkins gets in over Banford. Like, I guess I guess he is something different, but it's not like we don't lack versatility and difference in the squad. I mean, you've got Marcus who can play down the middle, on the left, on the right. You've got Sterling who can do the same. You've got Foden who can play Cam, left wing, right wing. And Grealish who can play anywhere in the forward line. So I don't, I don't understand the, the choice of Ollie Watkins. I do think Bamford, even though you wouldn't get a minute um, up front, I think you still you still got to take him. Or not take him, but you got to put him in the third three. Yeah, I think I think he definitely uh, was a player to miss out. And as we talk about um, Ollie Watkins, we can have a look at his old his old squad, um, Brentford, who have been who have been put through to the to the promotion playoff. Um, obviously, very exciting for these those two uh, second-tier English teams. Um, possibly the best game um, of football that actually exists, uh, not even just in English football, but just football in general, the amount of excitement that comes around it, moving a, a team um, up into that top flight is crazy. So, obviously, uh, it's going to be Swansea versus Brentford. Uh, first, we'll have a look at just the teams in general. Yeah, so... As you're going on, Paddy, there, like, even though this game might not be the highest quality, it might not bring in the most money, it's 
means so much to these teams. Like these teams, getting into the Premier League, the biggest league in the world, um, it means it. It means so much to the club, and I don't. It, it even yeah. As I'm saying, like even though it might not be the biggest game, most highest quality, bringing the most revenue, it's probably one of the most competitive games. But actually, this game I reckon will be dominated, and I just can't see any other victor rather than Brentford. Tony. Um, yeah, look, I, I completely agree with you there. Look, I haven't got much to talk about on this side because, you know, I'm not indulged in the championship as some of you guys may be. But I don't know much about the team, but for now, like, look, I'm jumping straight into predictions. 5-0, all Tony. It's it's in for Brentford. <laughs> It, it's. It, I know. I know. I just said it wouldn't be a very competitive game, but it still. It means so much to Swansea. Swansea have been in the Premier League recently. Brentford haven't. Actually, I need to look up when Brentford was last in the Premier League, but it hasn't. It hasn't been. It's been a long time. So, I mean, I still. Swansea have got a lot to fight for. They're both going to fight for a lot. I do think Brentford come out on top as they were. They were so close so close to getting that automatic promotion that was snatched by Watford um, but um, especially after the, the, the great comeback they had against um, against who was, it? who was it Bournemouth the great comeback they had against Bournemouth they were they had to score three goals to win it it was sensational it was amazing Tony steps up um, it's, just, it, it's just so hard to see any other victor in this game uh, I'm predicting a 3-1, personally. Uh, I think Tony will score a brace, and maybe we'll see... Um, oh, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I think it'll be a great game, though. I'm actually, I'm, I'm probably going to stay up and watch it, personally, even though in Australia the times are shocking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and watch it, because it just means so much. And it, even though, you know, you got the, it, it kind of gets overshadowed by the Champions League this weekend, which we will go on and talk about later. But the, I just think it just doesn't get enough attention, these sort of games. Even, even though it's third versus sixth, it's still, it's just, it's just fantastic. Look, I've got a, I know it's going to be an exciting game, but I've got a, a boring 1-0 uh, uh, Tony to score a 48th minute header. Uh, that's going to be a, a missed save from the keeper. Watch that happen. Uh, but yeah, obviously Brentford, uh, great side. Obviously anything can happen uh, on the day, but I think consistency-wise they've been there. Swansea haven't, so it's going to be going to be a great game. But yeah, Brentford to to come home with the chockies. Just quickly, Royce, Tony. Obviously we've mentioned them so many times, and just predict. It's only been like two minutes we've been talking about this game. Tony, Tony, Tony. Who, if Brentford don't get promoted, or if they do get promoted? Does he leave Brentford for a Premier League side? And if so, who? Okay, uh, they go up. I'm saying uh, he stays at Brentford. He gives it a season there. If they go back down, he'll be up in the top flight uh, with any team. I'm sure any any Premier League squad would have him as their first striker or even a second striker. If he goes out, I believe that he could be um, a potential replacement Kane, and obviously we're going to talk about him no, no, next that's episode. Too, no, uh, sorry, but no, I do no, 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 no. no yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, no, hold on, hold on. I, I do believe Tony... that he, I do believe he can be a replacement for Kane in the future. I, I don't believe he's got it now. Obviously, playing at a lower level, 
And obviously no one can replace Kane. You could put Ronaldo in there and you wouldn't be able to do the same job um, day in and day out that Kane has done in English football. But I do believe that there is potential for some for Tony to go to a squad uh, that have lost a striker position and have a massive impact. Okay, so what, the, what you said is I don't completely disagree with. Um, when I was saying, like, should he move to a Premier League team, I was thinking more of a team like, I don't know, Crystal Palace, a Brighton, a maybe an Aston Villa. Obviously, Aston Villa have recently signed um, Ollie Watkins. So I think they're pretty safe. They're sitting quite comfortably. Um, a team that stands out is Burnley, but I don't think that'd be a smart move for Tony because, personally, Burnley, are, I don't think... I think Sean Dyche has been brilliant and for the past how many seasons they've stayed up, they invested so little... I think next season's the season they go down. They they missed they they escaped relegation quite comfortably, even though they came seventeenth. They were ten points clear. Um, personally, I know where Paddy's coming from by in the future, um, but personally, he's just not. And I don't think Tony's not even that young, they, um, so it's not quite of an investment. I just personally think um, he'd be a, a fantastic second option. For many teams in the top six, I do not think he'd be be able to sneak into the first team of any top six clubs, besides maybe Arsenal, because Aubameyang is slowly coming towards the end of his prime. But I still don't think he's good enough for Arsenal's expectations. So I don't know what you think about that, Ethan. Obviously, we both kind of lashed out at Paddy off that ridiculous opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, look, I think Arsenal is a strong option, especially with. Abama who being um being you know not in form recently, but to me, I think probably a good club for him would probably be West Ham. I think what who they got Antonio up front now, like yeah. he's been pretty decent this season actually. But I feel like that yeah, would be a good spot for him because it's not too yeah it's not too far down the table, but it's they also are on the up. You know they're pushing for top six. And they're pushing for a permanent top six, you know, like they're nearly in there. And I feel they've like they've got a top six this season. That would be a good spot for him. Yeah, West. Yeah, I think West. That could be a good option. Um, I do think Antonio's been brilliant, but I also do think, uh, actually, I kind of agree with you. If Tony can get into that West Ham's team, he doesn't have that pressure to perform straight away. But he also, because of Antonio, who's there, but he also has the opportunity to break into that squad if he does perform because Antonio gets injured all the time. Yeah. All right, we've been associating Tony with these clubs uh, from London. Um, but now let's let's have a look at the, a team uh, from London who are obviously a major talking point of this week. It, it's Chelsea, the underdogs for this Champions League final. No one thought they could have done it. Uh, but they've made it there against who is possibly the the best uh, team in the world. They've obviously won the Premier League season, that being Manchester City. Boys, what do we think about this absolute spectacle of a game that is going to be upon us within the next few days? Man City have far more to lose than Chelsea do, because um, Chelsea have support that top, four, secured that top four. It would have been the wildest dreams for them to be in the Champions League final. Chelsea supporters. Um, when they got drawn Atletico in that round of 16, they looked so unlikely to go through. And once they, once they went through, they kind of never really looked back. They've just, they got a fairly lucky draw with Porto, you must say. But apart from that, Real Madrid, no easy opponent. They're the, the, 
the all-time all-time most trophy most Champions Leagues. So I mean, credits to them. Um, they might have had a slightly easier run than other teams, missing out on PSG and Bayern, um, unlike Man City. Um, but I don't know. I feel Chelsea will go in and they will fight. But if Man City don't win this game, they've got to get Kane in next summer, which we'll talk about next episode. But they've got to work <laughs> something out. They've, they've got to work. If Man City don't win this game, with the squad, the investment, all this and the other, obviously Chelsea have done the same, but it will be a disgrace. Man City have to win it. I'm, I'm not writing Chelsea off. I'm not writing Chelsea off. I do think it's to be a very, very close game. But Man City have to win it more than Chelsea do. Yeah, that's 100%. But look, me being a Man U fan, I feel like it's my duty to go against Man City. So in my opinion, look, I feel like Kante has been one of the best defensive midfielders in the game right now. And if he can hold off those Manchester City boys, I feel like they can definitely get the double cross, even though Man City is undoubtedly one of the best teams we've seen in a long, long time. So, But yeah, for me, my prediction real quick, um, look, it's going to be blunt. It's going to be out there. Chelsea 2-1. That's what I'm calling. Is that a prediction or is that just what you, what you want to happen? Bit of both. Bit of both, I'd say. Yeah. No, a bit of both. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me because as a Spurs supporter, um, Chelsea winning the Champions League is not really what I want. Obviously, I hate Arsenal more, but Chelsea, the rivalry between Chelsea and Tottenham has like, become... I don't know, it's become even more ever since that battle at Stamford Bridge um, over the where Hazard scored that absolute screamer um, to win Leicester City the title. And I'm getting, I'm getting off track. What I'm trying to say is I hate Chelsea, I hate Arsenal, I don't want Chelsea to win, but I feel like if Man City win, football loses. They're both... I, I, I hate, actually, I don't, I, I'm a bit stuck. I don't want to get too much into the money in football, but I do think... Not many people want Man City to win purely because of how they've got their success. I'm not saying they haven't deserved the success to an extent, but I'd also, I don't think they've deserved the players and the quality of players they've got purely because the money has come from an external source. But that is a conversation where we could have an hour, an hour talk about and it's been talked about in the football media for ages now how money's getting involved in football, especially with the Super League and stuff. So yeah, pretty much for me, if if Kante has a good game, I don't see if Kante shows up. It's very very difficult to see Man City um, without a recognised number nine doing well. Especially when Chelsea have beaten Man City in the Premier League recently. Is that kind of like warm up game? Obviously, it meant it meant a lot to Chelsea that game because otherwise they wouldn't be in the Champions League next year. But for me, Kante shows up, Chelsea wins because it'll be so hard for De Bruyne to function in that midfield phone into function either so I don't know will Kante show up I can't tell you I reckon it will go to extra time it'll be it'll be a 1-1 and then Man City to score an extra time 2-1 Man City look I wish I could say that's going to be an interesting game in the past we've seen these Champions League finals to often be quite boring but sometimes close this one I'm going to say high scoring uh, high scoring we've got two teams um obviously have been getting uh, better uh, defensively. It's been an issue for either, but now as Rudiger's stepped up for Chelsea, they've become a lot stronger at the back. And Ruben Diaz and Stone's recent form have made them hard to get past. But I do think this one's going to have a fair few goals. I'm going to say Man City 
four, Chelsea two. Um, obviously, Werner to miss a few open open goals and De Bruyne to score to score a, a penalty in a, in a long range. I just don't see uh, Chelsea outclassing um, that of Man City. Uh, the oil money is just it's just going to be too good. I, I, I want to watch that game, Paddy. Whatever game you've predicted, I want to watch that. That that sounds that sounds great. Well, so yeah, well, pretty much the Champions League, big games. Obviously, it's been disappointing in the past with like the one nil against Bayern, um, the one nil Bayern win. So Champions League finals have disappointed. So let's just hope Paddy's prediction is somewhat correct. I mean, not for Ethan, obviously, um, because Ethan supports Man United, but we won an exciting game. I don't know about you boys, but I'm staying up to watch both. Um, so yeah, yep. Uh, all the all the listeners, however many uh, there are, like you guys to get involved. Tell us uh, what you think we've sort of uh, said wrong. Obviously, the the England squad is so so debatable. Um, obviously, the scoreline for that that championship uh, moving into the Premier League game uh, is also quite debatable. Uh, same as the the Champions League final. So it's been a great. Great episode to start us off. Obviously, I uh, haven't really done this uh, sort of podcast thing before, but it's it's going to be going to be a journey. It's going to be fun for all of us, and I hope we hope we learn a fair bit. So that's uh, this has been football, and uh, we're going to sign off for today. And next week, hopefully, we'll have some some new discussions, new talking points. Uh, leave your questions and all that sort of stuff on the socials. That, um, yeah. Hope everyone has a has a good one.